0: It was well for me that the Count's revelation roused Sir Percival's anger as it did. On hearing that I had been once more discovered, I started so that the railing against which I leaned cracked again. Had he followed me to the inn, did he infer that I must have given my letters to Fanny when I told him I had none for the post-bag? Even if it was so, how could he have examined the letters when they had gone straight from my hand to the bosom of the girl's dress?' "'Thank your lucky star,' I heard the Count say next, "'that you have me in the house to undo the harm as fast as you do it. "'Thank your lucky star that I said no "'when you were mad enough to talk of turning the key today on Miss Halcombe "'as you turned it in your mischievous folly on your wife. "'Where are your eyes? "'Can you look at Miss Halcombe and not see "'that she has the foresight and the resolution of a man?' With that woman, for my friend, I would snap these fingers of mine at the world. With that woman, for my enemy, I, with all my brains and experience, I, Fosco, cunning as the devil himself, as you have told me a hundred times, I walk, in your English phrase, upon eggshells. And this grand creature, I drink her health in my sugar and water, this grand creature, who stands in the strength of her love and her courage, firm as a rock, between us two, and that poor, flimsy, pretty, blonde wife of yours. This magnificent woman, whom I admire with all my soul, though I oppose her in your interests and in mine, you drive to extremities, as if she was no sharper and no bolder than the rest of her sex. Percival, Percival, you deserve to fail, and you have failed. There was a pause. I write the villain's words about myself because I mean to remember them, "'because I hope yet for the day "'when I may speak out once and for all in his presence "'and cast them back, one by one, in his teeth. "'Sir Percival was the first to break the silence again. "'Yes, yes, bully and bluster as much as you like,' he said sulkily. "'The difficulty about the money is not the only difficulty. "'You would be for taking strong measures with the women yourself "'if you knew as much as I do.' "'We will come to that second difficulty all in good time,' rejoined the Count. "'You may confuse yourself, Percival, as much as you please, "'but you shall not confuse me. "'Let the question of the money be settled first. "'Have I shown you that your temper will not let you help yourself? "'Or must I go back and, as you put it in your dear straightforward English, "'bully and bluster a little more?' "'Psh! It's easy enough to grumble at me,' "'Say what is to be done. That's a little harder.' "'Is it? Pfft! This is what is to be done. "'You give up all direction in the business from tonight. "'You leave it for the future in my hands only. "'I'm talking to a practical British man, huh? "'Well, practical. Will that do for you?' "'What do you propose if I leave it all to you?' "'Answer me first. Is it to be in my hands or not?' "'Say it is in your hands. What then?' "'A few questions, Percival, to begin with. "'I must wait a little yet to let circumstances guide me, "'and I must know, in every possible way, "'what those circumstances are likely to be. "'There is no time to lose. "'I have told you already that Miss Halcombe "'has written to the lawyer today for the second time. "'How did you find it out? What did she say?' "'If I told you, Percival, we should only come back at the end to where we are now. "'Enough that I have found it out, "'and the finding has caused that trouble and anxiety "'which made me so inaccessible to you all through today. "'Now, to refresh my memory about your affairs, "'it is some time since I talked them over with you. "'The money has been raised in the absence of your wife's signature. "'By means of bills at three months,' "'raised at a cost that makes my poverty-stricken foreign hair "'stand on end to think of it. "'When the bills are due, "'is there really and truly no earthly way of paying them "'but by the help of your wife?' "'None.' "'What? You have no money at the bankers?' "'A few hundreds, when I want as many thousands. "'Have you no other security to borrow upon?' "'Not a shred.' What have you actually got with your wife at the present moment? Nothing but the interest of her twenty thousand pounds, barely enough to pay our daily expenses. What do you expect from your wife? Three thousand a year when her uncle dies. A fine fortune, Percival. What sort of a man is this uncle? Old? No, neither old nor young. A good-tempered, freely living man? Married? "'No, I think my wife told me not married. "'Of course not. "'If he was married and had a son, "'Lady Glyde would not be next heir to the property. "'I'll tell you what he is. "'He's a maudlin, twaddlin, selfish fool, "'and bores everybody who comes near him "'about the state of his health. "'Men of that sort, Percival, live long, "'and marry malevolently when you least expect it. "'I don't give you much, my friend, "'for your chance of the three thousand a year.' "'Is there nothing more that comes to you from your wife?' "'Nothing. "'Absolutely nothing. "'Absolutely nothing, except in case of her death. "'Aha, in the case of her death.' "'There was another pause. "'The Count moved from the veranda to the gravel walk outside. "'I knew that he had moved by his voice. "'The rain has come at last,' I heard him say. "'It had come.' The state of my cloak showed that it had been falling thickly for some little time. The Count went back under the veranda. I heard the chair creak beneath his weight as he sat down in it again. "'Well, Percival,' he said, "'and in the case of Lady Glyde's death, what do you get then?' "'If she leaves no children?' "'Which she is likely to do?' "'Which she is not in the least likely to do?' "'Yes,' Why, then, I get her twenty thousand pounds. Paid down? Paid down. They were silent once more. As their voices ceased, Madame Fosco's shadow darkened the blind again. Instead of passing this time, it remained for a moment quite still. I saw her fingers steal around the corner of the blind and draw it on one side. The dim, white outline of her face, looking out straight over me, "'appeared behind the window. "'I kept still, shrouded from head to foot in my black cloak. "'The rain, which was fast wetting me, "'dripped over the glass, blurted, "'and prevented her from seeing anything. "'More rain,' I heard her say to herself. "'She dropped the blind, and I breathed again freely. "'The talk went on below me, "'the count resuming it this time.' Percival, do you care about your wife? Fosco, that's a rather downright question. I am a downright man, and I repeat it. Why the devil do you look at me in that way? You won't answer me. Well, then, let us say your wife dies before the summer is out. Drop it, Fosco. Let us say your wife dies. Drop it, I tell you. In that case, you would gain twenty thousand pounds, and you would lose... I should lose the chance of 3000 a year. The remote chance, Percival, the remote chance only. And you want money at once. In your position, the gain is certain, the loss doubtful. Speak for yourself as well as for me. Some of the money I want has been borrowed for you, and if you come to gain, my wife's death would be £10,000 in your wife's pocket. Sharp as you are, you seem to have conveniently forgotten Madame Fosco's legacy. Don't look at me in that way. I won't have it. What with your looks and your questions, upon my soul, you make my flesh creep. Your flesh? Does flesh mean conscience in English? I speak of your wife's death as I speak of a possibility. Why not? The respectable lawyers who scribble-scrabble your deeds and your wills Look the deaths of living people in the face. Do lawyers make your flesh creep? Why should I? It is my business tonight to clear up your position beyond the possibility of mistake, and I have now done it. Here is your position. If your wife lives, you pay those bills with her signature to the parchment. If your wife dies, you pay them with her death. As he spoke, the light in Madame Fosco's room was extinguished, "'and the whole second floor of the house was now sunk in darkness. "'Talk, talk,' grumbled Sir Percival. "'One would think to hear you "'that my wife's signature to the deed was got already. "'You have left the matter in my hands,' retorted the Count, "'and I have more than two months before me to turn round in. "'Say no more about it, if you please, for the present. "'When the bills are due, you will see for yourself "'if my talk, talk is worth something, or if it is not.' And now, Percival, having done with the money matters for tonight, I can place my attention at your disposal if you wish to consult me on that second difficulty which has mixed itself up with our little embarrassments and which has so altered you for the worse that I hardly know you again. Speak, my friend, and pardon me if I shock your fiery national tastes by mixing myself a second glass of sugar water." "'It's very well to speak,' replied Sir Percival, "'in a far more quiet and more polite tone "'than he had yet adopted. "'But it's not so easy to know how to begin. "'Shall I help you?' suggested the Count. "'Shall I give this private difficulty of yours a name? "'What if I call it Anne Catherick?' "'Look here, Fosco, "'you and I have known each other for a long time, "'and if you have helped me out of one or two scrapes before this,' I've done the best I could to help you in return as far as money would go. We've made as many friendly sacrifices on both sides as men could, but we've had our secrets from each other, of course, haven't we? You have had a secret from me, Percival. There is a skeleton in your cupboard here at Blackwater Park that has peeped out in these last few days at other people besides yourself. Well, suppose it has, if it doesn't concern you, you needn't be curious about it, need you? Do I look curious about it? Yes, you do. So, so, my face speaks the truth, then. What an immense foundation of good there must be in the nature of a man who arrives at my age and whose face has not yet lost the habit of speaking the truth. Come, Glyde, let us be candid, one with the other. This secret of yours has sought me. I have not sought it. Let us say I am curious. Do you ask me, as your old friend, to respect your secret and to leave it once for all in your own keeping? Yes, that's just what I do ask. Then my curiosity is at an end. It dies in me from this moment. Do you really mean that? What makes you doubt me? I've had some experience, Fosco, of your roundabout ways, and I'm not so sure that you won't worm it out of me after all. The chair below suddenly creaked again. I felt the trellis-work pillar under me shake from top to bottom. The Count had started to his feet and had struck it with his hand, in indignation. "'Percival! Percival!' he cried passionately. "'Do you know me no better than that? "'Has all your experience shown you nothing of my character yet? "'I am a man of the antique type. "'I am capable of the most exalted acts of virtue "'when I have the chance of performing them.' "'It has been the misfortune of my life that I have had few chances. "'My conception of friendship is sublime. "'Is it my fault that your skeleton has peeped out at me? "'Why do I confess my curiosity? "'You poor, superficial Englishman. "'It is to magnify my own self-control. "'I could draw your secret out of you, if I liked, "'as I draw this finger out of the palm of my hand. "'You know I could. "'But you have appealed to my friendship.' and the duties of friendship are sacred to me. See, I trample my base curiosity under my feet. My exalted sentiments lift me above it. Recognize them, Percival. Imitate them, Percival. Shake hands, I forgive you. His voice faltered over the last words, faltered as if he were actually shedding tears. Sir Percival confusedly attempted to excuse himself, "'but the Count was too magnanimous to listen to him. "'No,' he said, "'when my friend has wounded me, "'I can pardon him without apologies. "'Tell me, in plain words, do you want my help?' "'Yes, badly enough. "'And you can ask for it without compromising yourself. "'I can try at any rate. "'Try, then.' "'Well, this is how it stands.' I told you today that I had done my best to find Anne Catherick, and failed. Yes, you did. Fosco, I am a lost man if I don't find her. Ha! Huh. It is so serious as that. A little stream of light traveled it under the veranda and fell over the gravel walk. The Count had taken the lamp from the inner part of the room to see his friend clearly by the light of it. Yes, he said, "'Your face speaks the truth this time. "'Serious indeed, as serious as the money matters themselves. "'More serious, as true as I sit here, more serious.' "'The light disappeared again, and the talk went on. "'I showed you the letter to my wife that Anne Catherick hid in the sand,' "'Sir Percival continued. "'There's no boasting in that letter, Fosco. "'She does know the secret.' Say as little as possible, Percival, in my presence, of the secret. Does she know it from you? No, from her mother. Two women in possession of your private mind. Bad, 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 my friend. One question here before we go any farther. The motive of your shutting up the daughter in the asylum is now plain enough to me, but the manner of her escape is not quite so clear do you suspect the people in charge of her of closing their eyes purposely at the instance of some enemy who could afford to make it worth their while? No, she was the best-behaved patient they had, and like fools, they trusted her. She's just mad enough to be shut up and just sane enough to ruin me when she's at large, if you understand that. I do understand it. Now, Percival, come at once to the point, and then I shall know what to do, where is the danger of your position at the present moment? Anne Catherick is in this neighborhood and in communication with Lady Glyde. There's the danger plain enough. Who can read the letter she hid in the sand and not see that my wife is in possession of the secret, deny it as she may? One moment, Percival. If Lady Glyde does know the secret, she must know also that it is a compromising secret for you. As your wife, surely it is her interest to keep it. Is it? I'm coming to that. It might be her interest if she cared two straws about me, but I happen to be an encumbrance in the way of another man. She was in love with him before she married me. She's in love with him now, an infernal vagabond of a drawing master named Hartwright. My dear friend, what is there extraordinary in that? They are all in love with some other man, who gets the first of a woman's heart? In all my experience, I have never yet met with the man who is number one, number two sometimes, number three, four, five often, number one never. He exists, of course, but I have not met with him. Wait, I haven't done yet. Who do you think helped Anne Catherick to get the start when the people from the madhouse were after her? Hartwright. Who do you think saw her again in Cumberland? Hartwright. Both times he spoke to her alone. Stop, don't interrupt me. The scoundrel's as sweet on my wife as she is on him. He knows the secret, and she knows the secret. Once let them both get together again, and it's her interest and his interest to turn their information against me. Gently, Percival, gently. Are you insensible to the virtue of Lady Glyde? That for the virtue of Lady Glyde, I believe in nothing about her but her money. "'Don't you see how the case stands? "'She might be harmless enough by herself, "'but if she and that vagabond Hartwright... "'Yes, yes, I see. "'Where is Mr. Hartwright?' "'Out of the country. "'If he means to keep a whole skin on his bones, "'I recommend him not to come back in a hurry. "'Are you sure he is out of the country?' "'Certain. "'I had him watched from the time he left Cumberland "'to the time he sailed. "'Oh, I've been careful, I can tell you.' Anne Catherick lived with some people at a farmhouse near Limeridge. "'I went there myself, after she had given me the slip, "'and made sure that they knew nothing. "'I gave her mother a form of letter to write to Miss Halcombe, "'exonerating me from any bad motive in putting her under restraint. "'I've spent, I'm afraid to say how much, in trying to trace her, "'and in spite of it all, she turns up here and escapes me on my own property. "'How do I know who else may see her?' "'who else may speak to her? "'That prying scoundrel Hartwright "'may come back without my knowing it "'and may make use of her tomorrow. "'Not he, Percival. "'While I am on the spot "'and while that woman is in the neighbourhood, "'I will answer for our laying hands on her "'before Mr. Hartwright, "'even if he does come back. "'I see. Yes, yes, I see. "'The finding of Anne Catherick "'is the first necessity. "'Make your mind easy about the rest.' "'Your wife is here, under your thumb. "'Miss Halcombe is inseparable from her, "'and is, therefore, under your thumb also. "'And Mr. Hartwright is out of the country. "'This invisible Anne of yours "'is all we have to think of for the present. "'You have made your inquiries?' "'Yes, I have been to her mother. "'I have ransacked the village, and all to no purpose.' "'Is her mother to be depended on?' "'Yes.' She has told your secret once. She won't tell it again. Why not? Are her own interests concerned in keeping it as well as yours? Yes, deeply concerned. I am glad to hear it, Percival, for your sake. Don't be discouraged, my friend. Our money matters, as I told you, leave me plenty of time to turn round in, and I may search for Anne Catherick tomorrow to better purpose than you. One last question before we go to bed. What is it? It is this. When I went to the boathouse to tell Lady Glyde that the little difficulty of her signature was put off, accident took me there in time to see a strange woman parting, in a very suspicious manner, from your wife. But accident did not bring me near enough to see the same woman's face plainly. I must know how to recognize our invisible Anne. What is she like? Like... "'Come, I'll tell you in two words. "'She's a sickly likeness of my wife.' "'The chair creaked, and the pillar shook once more. "'The Count was on his feet again, this time in astonishment. "'What?' he exclaimed eagerly. "'Fancy my wife after a bad illness "'with a touch of something wrong in her head. "'And there is Anne Catherick for you,' answered Sir Percival. "'Are they related to each other?' "'Not a bit of it.' and yet so like. Yes, so like. What are you laughing about? There was no answer, and no sound of any kind. The Count was laughing in his smooth, silent, internal way. What are you laughing about? reiterated Sir Percival. Perhaps at my own fancies, my good friend, allow me my Italian humor. Do I not come of the illustrious nation which invented the exhibition of punch? Well, 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 I shall know Anne Catherick when I see her, and so enough for tonight. Make your mind easy, Percival. Sleep, my son, the sleep of the just, and see what I will do for you when daylight comes to help us both. I have my projects and my plans here in my big head. You shall pay those bills and find Anne Catherick, my sacred word of honor on it, but you shall. Am I a friend to be treasured in the best corner of your heart, or am I not? "'Am I worth those loans of money "'which you so delicately reminded me of "'a little while since? "'Whatever you do, "'never wound me in my sentiments any more. "'Recognize them, Percival. "'Imitate them, Percival. "'I forgive you again. "'I shake hands again. "'Good night.' "'Not another word was spoken. "'I heard the Count close the library door. "'I heard Sir Percival "'barring up the window shutters. "'It had been raining, "'raining all the time.' I was cramped by my position and chilled to the bones. When I first tried to move, the effort was so painful to me that I was obliged to desist. I tried a second time and succeeded in rising to my knees on the wet roof. As I crept to the wall and raised myself against it, I looked back and saw the window of the Count's dressing room gleam into light. My sinking courage flickered up in me again and kept my eyes fixed on his window, as I stole my way back, step by step, past the wall of the house, the clock struck the quarter after one when I laid my hands on the windowsill of my own room. I had seen nothing and heard nothing which could lead me to suppose that my retreat had been discovered. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure, it's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.